Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to Wildcat Radio. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and I am joined today by Mr. Adam Green. Adam, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. A lot better than the last time we spoke, you know, yeah. in the aftermath of the football game that we should probably never talk about again. But basketball <laughs> is looking, like so far, at least lately, basketball is doing what we expect basketball to do for us, and that's give us something to smile about. We have a two-game winning streak, which yes. is beautiful. I mean, that's that's what we were hoping for, and you know, we'll obviously get into uh, briefly the Georgia Southern game, but more importantly, the UConn game because that really felt a lot like, uh, you know, felt, felt a lot like a tournament game almost. But yeah, like I said, we'll, 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 we'll save that for a little bit later. Uh, but just Adam, for a few housekeeping items, of course, Wildcat Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, really any podcast catcher. Also, as far as social media goes, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Also, check out us, uh, check us out on Facebook, rather Wildcat Radio. Our website, WildcatRadioAZ.com. And now that bowl season is among us, Adam, and of course, you know, we, uh, the Arizona Wildcats will not be participating in the bowl season, uh, but nonetheless, it is still football. And, you know, here at Wildcat Radio, we, we love gambling. We love gambling. <laughs> so if, if, if there's something that we can get, get a little pool going on, we're going to do that. Uh, so for all the listeners, uh, you may remember from last year and any of our new listeners every year, Bryant puts together the bowl pool. Uh, basically, uh, in order to get an invitation to this bowl pool this year for any of the listeners, uh, be sure to share the podcast and make sure to add us on Twitter uh, or Facebook and you will get an invitation to the bowl pool. OK, so this year, uh, this, this year for the grand prize, we have two tickets to it to an Arizona football or basketball game. Now, with one caveat, right, you cannot tie for first. So basically, much like run the gauntlet with everything we, we just concluded with football season, um, you know, it, it, you're, you're basically playing against Wildcat Radio, right? But it's basically every man for themselves, though, right? So, I mean, it's just it's I guess you could say like like the survivor pool, I guess, is, is the best comp for it. Uh, so you cannot tie. The winner will get two tickets to an Arizona football or basketball game. Of course, your choice to the victor goes the spoils. Adam, let's go ahead and just jump into this here as far as, you know, the the last little bit of football uh, football news, I guess you could say, for the season, right? Just to kind of put a bow on it, button this thing up for the 2018 season. Uh, the Pac-12 all-conference teams were announced today. Lo and behold, only one on the first or second team. That was JJ Taylor getting first team honors. Uh, we, we talked about him all year. He has just been magnificent. I mean, honestly, yeah, there, there's no, no other way to put it. I mean, you know, he, he, he did a fantastic job and had a little bit of, you know, I think he had way more ups than downs, right? He was quiet in a few of the games. You know, I know that that USC game sticks out to me, but you know, for the most part, what he, he's rushed, he rushed for more than 200 yards, a handful of times, uh, definitely broke a hundred yards, uh, plenty of times. Uh, what's, I mean, obviously this is due, right? I mean, this is thank, thank, thank goodness they gave him the due that he deserves. No, no, I, you know, I, I remember we talked about him. I'm the one who said that, he wasn't great in every game, but he finished the season so very strong, I thought. You know, UCLA, Oregon, Colorado, uh, the ASU game, he was excellent. And outside of a couple ball security issues, specifically against UCLA and even ASU, if we want to put that fumble on him, 
he was everything the Wildcats needed this season from the running back position. And that was a spot where I think we were all kind of not sure what they'd have. If he could be the bell cow, if he could be the main guy, we thought maybe Nathan Tilford would do something. He obviously did not. But between Taylor and then Gary Brightwell and then Smith, too, came on a little bit late. Like Taylor was easily the number one running back, the bell cow, and he filled that role very, very well for the Wildcats. So his honor, much deserved. Much deserved. The all-purpose player, right? He he was returning kicks, too. I mean, I know much against what I'd like to see. You know, I, uh, all season I thought, you know, this is clearly our number one running back. I, I, I'm, I'm confused why he's returning kicks. Um, but you know what? Knock on wood, right? I mean, he, if, if he continues doing this, he found a way to stay healthy doing it this year. And, and he was very effective at times, too, right? I mean, you know, he, he had the one kick return. I think it was against Southern Utah. But, I mean, overall, you know, his, his, his all-purpose yards, you know, ranks way up there nationally across all FBS. So, congratulations to J.J. Taylor. Um, you know, Adam, as mentioned, aside from J.J. Taylor, we were absent any other first, second teamers. Uh, Hal Collins Schooler got passed yeah. on for these honors. I don't know. What else he has to do? I mean, he was second in the Pac-12 with 21 and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, you know, well into a hundred total tackles on the season. Total tackles, yeah. I, you know, I guess Adam. Couple of interceptions. What, <laughs> what does he have to do to to even break second team honors? Yeah, he'd probably be on a better team or be on a team with a better defense. I, you know, even when Scooby Wright had his monster season, it took an absolute monster season for him to get recognized because. Even that year, Arizona's defense wasn't great. It was good enough to win the Pac-12 South, but it wasn't great. And I think for Schooler, this is just a situation of getting overlooked by because there were maybe he's a sophomore. That probably didn't help him. But just the fact mm-hmm. that Arizona's defense wasn't very good this season, and it's not his fault, obviously. No. But you look at it and say, I guess if you want a, an impact player, he we watched him play every game, and we always we understand how bad this defense would have been without Colin Schooler. But if you're just kind of on a different level, just watching, okay. Yeah, he put up these numbers, but what did it get them? You know, what did this do for Arizona? And it's not fair to Schooler. It's absolutely not fair to Schooler because he was easily the best player on the defense, the most consistent player, and arguably one of the best linebackers in the conference. I mean, definitely one of the, one, one of the best linebackers in the conference. Yes. But I would just imagine he's getting overlooked because he's a sophomore and mostly because Arizona, as a team, and Arizona's defense weren't particularly good this season. That's fair. You know, I guess all, all he did, right, was follow up from his All-American freshman season in, into this, right? I mean, he's parlayed it into two magnificent years. You know, his yeah. first two, you know, true freshman, true, true, true sophomore seasons, really. I mean, it, I don't, it, whatever, right? He's definitely in school for at least one more year, uh, but uh, he has just been so good for that Arizona defense. Adam, I, I tend to agree with you there. I mean, obviously, it has to have something to do with just the overall production uh, or, or, I guess, lack thereof. Um, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, you know, once again, uh, the Marcel Yates defense, uh, you know, one of the worst nationally, right? So mm-hmm. it is what it is, I guess. Uh, but congratulations to Colin Schooler for at least being recognized uh, on the honorable mention list. Hey, him. Point Dexter was honorable mention, right? PJ Johnson, I think I yep. saw. And one Thomas other guy, Reed. too. Yeah, okay. Thomas Reed the third, the wide receiver, redshirt sophomore. Um, so yes, you know PJ Johnson, uh, perhaps one more year of eligibility. That, uh, that would we'll, be great. More to come on that. You know, Sean Poindexter, obviously the uh, three-year standout. Uh, or I guess you know he he really had a breakout year this year, but you kind of saw the potential ever since his first year a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Thomas Reed, he, he was really uh, he, he was slotted more of a special teamer mm-hmm. in this regard. Uh, but you know, with Sean Poindexter. 
uh, with Sean Brown, uh, you know, with Tony Ellison, with these senior wide receivers that are departing the team, uh, there is going to be plenty of left behind production for for players like Thomas Reed the Third, right? Uh, Barry Hill is another one, uh, but I guess kind of staying on task here, Adam. The biggest thing, and, and I think that what's really important with 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 the five guys for Arizona that were selected to All Conference honors. Uh, I guess then assuming PJ Johnson picks up that extra year of eligibility, four of the five will be back next year. So, I mean, that, that has to be very encouraging. You know, obviously the Khalil Tate uh, nagging injury throughout the year, most likely, I mean, if, if he were healthy all year, you would have to imagine he would at least get honorable mention in this regard. So um, depending on what happens with him too, you know, another thing that we touched on last time, but um of the guys that were mentioned here today for the five potentially could be back next year. And I think that's big. You know, that that's something you want to see a lot of young production coming back. Yeah. It's certainly not a bad thing to see guys who are honored. Now, Grant schooler deserved to be more than just an honorable mention. And you can make a case for PJ Johnson. Although I know the stats aren't there. We saw his impact and yeah, these are guys who they didn't make this team great. But if you looked at, if you looked at the Wildcats this year and said, why did they finish five and seven? Why did they underachieve as far as what we were expecting? You don't look at these players and say that they're the reason. You know, it wasn't Sean Poindexter, it wasn't P.J. Johnson, it wasn't Taylor, it wasn't Schooler, it wasn't Reed. These are guys who came to play, and I, you could argue I mean, Arizona doesn't make it to five wins without their efforts, especially mm-hmm. Schooler, Taylor, and Poindexter. So, you know, it, it's nice to see them get some recognition. Some deserve more than they got. But overall, I think it's I, this is what happens when you have a middling season. You know, Arizona didn't go to a bowl game, but they weren't a terrible team. They won some games. They won five games. They were really half a quarter away from going to a bowl game yeah. so or a win against UCLA. Just, so it wasn't a, a terrible team. It just wasn't a good enough team to get recognized substantially, but they weren't bad enough to where you don't have anybody who was worthy of being honored or mentioned like this. So, yeah, the guys who are coming back, if P.J. Johnson comes back, that's a good look. And hopefully there are guys that, especially the defense guys like Fields and uh, Lorenzo Burns, who will take another step forward defensively. And then hopefully next season, if Marseille is still the coordinator, which it's looking like he might be, they can take another step forward, maybe a bigger step forward. Jalen Harris, uh, Jace Whitaker, right? We, we, we know yeah, Jace Whitaker yeah, back. is able to redshirt this year. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of key pieces on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we're, looks like we're going to run it back from a defensive standpoint, right? Uh, Marcel Yates, uh, all signs are pointing that he will be retained as defensive coordinator. Uh, Adam, moving along here with other news on the football front, the 2019 season or schedule rather was released today as well. Uh, the the non conference has been known for a while, and then of course, you know, I guess the, the teams of conference play were also known. We just didn't know necessarily in what order, which dates, right? Uh, so as for the non conference schedule, Arizona will appear in Week Zero at week Hawaii. Zero. Week zero. And, you know, I have heard Hawaii is just gorgeous in August. So maybe maybe we can make our way over there. I don't know. Over to Honolulu. Who knows? Um, but, yes, August 24th, circle your c- circle the date on the calendar. I mean, this one's actually pretty exciting. Uh, I guess just uh, well, I'm not going to be too excited about the kickoff time because I'm assuming that would be like 9 p.m. our time, seeing how Hawaii is so far behind us in the time zones. But um, Nonetheless, yeah, we'll we'll get some uh, football season going to start early for us this year. We don't have to wait till Labor Day this upcoming year, so that's cool. Uh, and then we return home for uh, to host Northern Arizona, and then the following week we host the Cliff 
Kingsbury list Texas Tech Raiders, which will also be interesting. I think um, that could be a program, you know, maybe a little bit all over the place. Not really too sure what to expect out of them. But then, of course, we open conference play against UCLA. Uh, Adam, I, I know that you had a chance to take a look at this schedule uh, to all the listeners who haven't yet. Uh, what, what is it? Washington State and Cal fall off and mm-hmm. they're replaced by Washington and Stanford. So, uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's never easy. I mean, if you had told me this year that, you know, Washington State, although they didn't win the Pac-12, uh, they, were, they were represented in the north. You know, you could make a very strong case they were the best team in the Pac-12. You know, they ended up being on our schedule. So maybe it's a good thing they're going to fall off. Who knows? But. Yeah. No matter what, Adam, uh, the next big takeaway to me is three bye weeks, right? Because of that Hawaii game. So that creates in week one, we have a bye, and then we have two additional buys. I would have killed for an extra bye week this week, or excuse me, this this year. An I earlier mean, bye week anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That, that could have changed the entire season if they had a bye week in week five or six as opposed to when it happened. you got to help quiltate healthy. Who knows where the season goes, but... Yeah, that's just dumb luck. You don't know how that's going to work out. No, no, no. But, I mean, at least at this point now, we, we know, you know, after Hawaii, hopefully that's a W. Uh, a lot still to be determined, I guess, on on the front of what the team's going to look like next year, the whole landscape. So, uh, yeah, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at this, Adam, and uh, early indications, I, I don't uh, – 3-0 and does not seem unreasonable. Uh, beyond that, who knows? There's a pretty tough stretch in here of uh, UCLA at – Colorado hosting Washington at USC at Stanford. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a pretty tough five game stretch. UCLA Colorado. I don't know Washington the Desert Dogs. You know sometimes family weekend could be a buzzing crowd. Uh, Adam, what jumped off to you when you read this schedule? Uh, how much I liked it less than what I thought of last year's schedule going <laughs> in. But I think you're right. I mean the three and zero start, and we have to see what Arizona looks like before we can really, you know, just collotate the quarterback or what, we don't know. But 3-0 and definitely doesn't seem like it should be unreasonable. And, geez, that sure beats 0-2 of this past yes. season. And, you know, it's – but we don't know. And then, yeah, UCLA is a home game, and I would expect it to be better. But 4-0 and may not be out of the realm of possibility. And, of course, then it gets hard, you know, mm-hmm. at Colorado, Washington, SC, Stanford. So it's – I don't look at it and say it's – everybody said it was a tough schedule, and I don't – I don't know if it's any tougher than we would have expected. You know, you knew which conference games were going to be on the road. You knew which were going to be at home. And we knew that we were going to lose some guys from the pack or from the North. So, you know, to me, it kind of comes down to a lot of just what U of A is. Because even this past season, there were times where U of A looked like they could compete with anyone in the conference. So is it going to be that Wildcat team or is it going to be the one that struggled to beat some teams, the one that we saw in the second half of the fourth quarter of the ASU game? And yeah. So I don't. I try not to get too excited over the schedules, just because you know you look and say, yeah, there are stretches where you have what those three or four games: Colorado, Washington, USC, Stanford, with Washington being the home game. Like that's a rough stretch. But mm-hmm. if you win one of those, maybe two of them, then in theory you're setting yourself up for a great season. So you know, I looked at it, I'm like, okay, that's the schedule. That's the schedule. The extra bye week is nice. Um, that first, the early game in week zero was going to be fun, but then. Also, not playing in week one is going to be kind of disappointing because I don't like bye weeks for that reason. But <laughs> right. no, I, I didn't have too much of a reaction looking at it. Okay, so that's the schedule. Let's see what this team looks like when the games start to matter. It should also be noted that Arizona, Arizona State, the Territorial Cup, the duel in desert moves back to Black Friday where it belongs, right? I mean, that's something that uh, should be pretty excited about there as well. So, uh, you know. I guess that, those are the takeaways should also be noted. Texas tech is the first 
first power five opponent for Arizona since 2012 when they hosted Oklahoma State. Uh, we all remember how that one went. Rich Rod's first good. big game. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully, hopefully we can uh, capture some of that magic again here in the upcoming season. But yeah, so Adam, uh, that's good on the football front, I think. You know, I guess it's kind of nice just to close the previous chapter and move on to the next one. And, and the, the release of this schedule, I think, helps us do so. You know, it's the off season, and rarely great things happen in the off season. but hopefully yeah. the recruiting picks up and does well with the coaches. They have nothing else to do right now. But, yeah. you know, it's definitely a season where hopefully we look back a couple of seasons from now, a couple of years from now, and say, you know what, that – it was disappointing, but it set the foundation. It laid the groundwork for a very good run of Arizona football. But admittedly, right now, knowing where we were, I won't say this time a year ago, because this time a year ago they're preparing for a bowl game. We didn't know if someone was going to be the coach. Mm-hmm. But from where we thought we'd be four months ago, five months ago, it's still very disappointing, and it's a bitter taste to get out of your mouth. But you know, if you believe in the coaching staff, if you believe that Kevin Sillman is the right guy, then you have to trust or you have to have some confidence that this is just the first season with guys that weren't his recruits, not his players, and the foundation is being set right now for hopefully sustained success going forward. Eyes forward, and then the next big date here in the off season, in this early off season, is of course December nineteenth, uh, when the Division One football early signing period begins. Uh, so hopefully, you know, and of course, you know, with this early departure to the season, uh, this abrupt ending as it feels, uh, you know, ho- hopefully that gives Sumlin and and, and Co. A little bit extra time to hit the recruiting trail and and uh, do do good things for that December nineteenth date. So uh, mark your calendars, guys. That that's going to be the next big date in terms of any football offseason activity for the Arizona Wildcats. Kevin Sumlin uh, looks like he's going to run it back with Marcel Yates and Olmazoni. So uh, for better or for worse, I guess remains to be seen. So <laughs> yeah, right. I, mean, I, I don't have any opinion that so they should get rid of either one. I just would have understood if they did. Yes, I guess that, that's a very good that's a very good way to put it, Adam. I like that. So uh, let's go ahead and pivot here, pun intended, to basketball, right, Adam? Before we do, uh, let's go ahead and mention our mention our sponsor, Sling TV. Uh, for all of our listeners who do not have Sling TV, you can go to the WildcatRadioAZ.com website at the very top of the screen, that top banner there, the ad Sling TV. Click there for a free seven day trial. Uh, 25 bucks a month, right? And you can add on a just wide variety of different packages ranging from sports, HBO, comedy, cartoons, etc., whatever have you. Uh, go to wildcatradioaz.com at the top. The Sling TV ad, go there, click there, follow the steps for the seven-day free trial, 25 bucks a month. Adam, jumping into basketball, right? So last time we spoke, this time last week, we were coming off a two-game losing streak. To to I don't I don't know if I want to say heartbreaking losses because I mean maybe that Gonzaga one just because it felt like you know we were in such control of that game for I don't know I mean the majority of the game right and it just fell apart in the last twelve minutes but uh, Auburn didn't really ever feel like we were in much control but you know at times it was at least competitive um, but it should of course be noted right like these are two teams two of the top eight teams in the country. So, I mean, this, this is at this point in the season, I'm not a big fan of, you know, preseason or early season rankings, but as it stands today, uh, they are two of the better teams in the country. 
Adam, we rebounded pretty well with a win against Georgia Southern at home. Final score, 100 to 70. They they break triple digits uh, against against Georgia Southern. That's great. Uh, You know, Adam, don't want to spend too much time on this one. I I, I think in my mind, the biggest takeaway, well, well, maybe there's two, but I think that the biggest of the two is Ryan Luther. So, you know, last week we, we said clearly he did something to his hands, you know, in, in those and mm-hmm. in, in, in the in the Gonzaga game or excuse me, the Iowa State game that then trickled into the Gonzaga. And then, of course, the uh, Auburn game. Coach Sean Miller put Ryan Luther on the bench for the Georgia Southern game, and he did the exact same thing for UConn. Now, Adam, if you think back to. I'm pretty sure it was the Aaron Gordon year when Brandon Ashley went down and Rondé Hollis Jefferson was inserted into the lineup. Um, that was our best five, right? When Brandon Ashley was healthy, Rondé Hollis Jefferson was the sixth man off the bench. And he so, was great off the bench that year, yeah. He was great off the bench, right? So, But that left the team in a pretty vulnerable state from the standpoint of there wasn't much production coming off the bench or to you know spark this second unit, if you will. Yes. So, what, what, so what did Sean Miller do? He, he swapped out Gabe York, put in Gabe York to the starting lineup. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson went back to that natural position for that season anyway. I mean, he's clearly a NCAA starter, but uh, for that season, back to his natural position coming off the bench, right? Uh, and, and honestly, that, it just felt right. You know, like It felt like everything was clicking again. We all know how it ended besides the point. So fast forward then to this year, Ryan Luther, right? Ryan Luther, in this case, we've been banging on it. It's just there isn't much on the bench to feel good about. So what does Sean Miller do after the after the Maui trip, right? Put Sean, he puts Ryan Luther on the bench, inserts Emmanuel Acott to at least put some sort of production, right, to bring off the bench with that second unit. Uh, what are your thoughts, I mean, of this whole game plan? I mean, it seems like it's worked in the past, and for these two games, it seems to work as well. Yeah, if anything, just to try to jumpstart even Emmanuel Acott. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's a two-game sample size, so it's obviously not enough to make a determination if it's the right move, but so far, so good. And I don't mind, especially if Luther's coming back from an injury and he's not quite himself, but... You know, he was having trouble finding shots with that first group. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's enough scores on that lineup where it's like, okay, when does he shoot? Because he seems like a pretty pretty good team player. He, when he's open in his spot, he'll take the shot. If not, he doesn't force the issue. But I could see how this team, the way it's constructed, he would be better served coming off the bench and to be better off with him coming off the bench just because of the fact that, yeah, that doesn't hurt to have that punch. But you mentioned that as one of the takeaways from that game. I think the bench in total entirely in that game was a big takeaway because Ryan Luther played well off the bench. Dylan Smith made some threes. Barcelo was useful. He made a couple of threes that game too against Georgia Southern. And even Dutrieve got some minutes and had eight points in his 11 minutes. So that to me was a big takeaway. And absolutely, Ryan Luther moving to the bench has to be a part of that. I mean, it, it fits. He's a veteran guy who has some experience to fit with those guys who are a little bit more young, a little bit less proven. I, I like it so far. I personally love the move, and especially just given the history, I mean, of, of how it worked in the past, right? I mean, it really kind of rejuvenated things, put things back on track in, in that Aaron Gordon season. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you can't, it's kind of apples to oranges in this sense. I mean, just yeah. from a pure talent standpoint, uh, but fundamentally, schematically, I mean, I, I mean, it makes sense for him to do this, right? To, as you said, jumpstart the bench production because it's just been non-existent. Uh, this, this was also a good game. There were some early sightings of Devonair Dutrieve with 11 minutes eight points four of six from the field um you know it's it's i don't know necessarily i mean i i 
it feels at times, you know, over the years that Sean Miller has just been so, I mean, I guess stubborn's the word or it comes off as stubbornness. Right. Um, but I, you know, I don't know necessarily if, you know, in this case, I mean, Devin Air Dutrieve, you know, I remember one instance too in this game where, uh, you know, he, he was guarding somebody in the corner and he had his hands down. He was just kind of standing there, right? Like there really wasn't much defense, but he was almost just like, yeah, I'm standing with my guy. Uh, they swing the ball to the corner and the guy pops a three and drains it. And right away, I mean, it's like, you, you know, that just like kills Sean Miller. It's like, you know, keep your hands up, you know, at least try to get on him a little bit. Um, but I, I think that there was just such a cry and what we saw in that that uh, Gonzaga, those uh, the, the Gonzaga and Auburn games of just just no production off the bench and in, in, in the offensive form that he was almost forced to get Devin Air Dutrieve in there just to see, you know, what perfect, perfect opponent to do it against Georgia Southern. You know, is there something there that we can maybe hide defensively? You know, can we hide him a little bit in the corner as long as he's given us some points? I was very excited to see him with with some big first half minutes. Yeah, he's obviously a fan favorite for a reason. It's because he's exciting. He provides yep. offense, and the way he's done it has been very flashy. So, you know, you need to play defense. But in that yep. game, yeah, he played 11 minutes at eight points, a couple, few rebounds, a couple of assists. But even Barcelo had a career-high 16 points in that one. Dylan Smith mm-hmm. had those two threes on his way at 10 points. So, you know, we saw this in Maui. It's The team has a pretty good starting lineup. I'd even say very good starting lineup. But without anything from the bench, they have no chance to beat good teams to win these really tough games. And Georgia Southern is not the best team the Wildcats are going to play, but they're also not a terrible team from their conference. So that was a good home win, a good bounce back from Maui, just in that, hey, Arizona, just because they lost those two games to top 10 teams doesn't mean that they're a bad basketball team. They still are a good basketball team, but that was kind of the blueprint for how I think Arizona can be a very good basketball team. That's with Chase Jeter doing his double-double thing. Mm -hmm. Randolph getting his 14 points. Brandon Williams playing well. Six assists, five rebounds, 14 points. And then getting that production from the bench. I've been doing the math right now. 13, 23, 39, 47 points from the bench that game. And, yeah, you get to 100. There's probably going to be some guys on the bench doing something. But, yeah, it's not going to be that easy most nights. But if the bench can be counted on and Ryan Luther is a part of that, then this team will have a better chance of reaching its ceiling, whatever that might be. 47% of the points came from the bench. I mean, that that's something we haven't seen. I mean, Good we haven't math. seen that this year, you know, for certainly probably not even close to that. So, uh, you know, all, all, all signs were positive in that one. You know, I guess the, if you're, if you're going to look for you know, some nitpicking, I guess you could say defensively, you allowed 70 points at home to Georgia Southern. I, I think just, just the pace of the game really yeah, allowed for that 40%, 70 percent, 39.1%. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, 16.7% from three. I'm not going to harp on the defense in this one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, you know I think overall it, it it was a much needed bounce back win. Come home, that heals everything, right? Winning at home, it's great. Uh, that then, of course, led into so that gave us the the five and two record to improve there uh, off the Maui trip. Then, of course, that led into Sunday's matchup in Hartford against the Yukon Huskies. And and Adam, I got to tell you, so I, I I was I was watching this over at my parents. I was helping them set up some uh, some Christmas decorations and. Um, you know, I, so I was keeping an eye on things really. I was watching, you know, as much as I could, right. And in that first half, as much as I could, the second half, I was way more drilled in, but, uh, from what I could tell right off the bat, they packed it in those fans over there uh, for UConn. I mean, that, that felt like a tournament game there. I don't think there was an empty seat in the house. And that was a very impressive 
environment, I think. So early in the season, you know, to go on the road, a true road game like that, you know, two hours ahead of us, right? I mean, that that's a pretty lengthy, that's a pretty lengthy uh, travel time. You know, that, that's not easy distance to go on a Sunday too, mind you. So um, I, I think that overall, you know, over the years, we know that Sean Miller loves to test the team in non-conference play with these two, with these true road tests. And this was certainly another one of them. Uh, Wildcats get a, sneak away with it, right? Take away 76, 72. Uh, really the whole thing started. Uh, they just maintained the lead they had at the half 42, 38 at halftime. It really felt like everything, things were just going right. I mean, you know, it, it, it's funny. There, there's a lot of stuff I felt like, Adam, that's not going to show up in, in, the, in, in the box score, if you will, right? I mean, Brandon Williams played 27 minutes, only had six points, only shot the ball six times. Uh, but but you know what? He was very effective on the floor defensively. I mean, the defense was just dialed in on this one. Chase Jeter. Chase Jeter's really grown on me, man. Oh, like, yeah. I. Like I, I really, you know, th- there were just a bunch of red flags and, you know, I know like, I guess you just have so much hype coming out of high school and it could be tough living up to it, you know, going to Duke of all places, having to live up to that, you know, just flamed out away from home. We talked about it, didn't really know what's going on. The psyche, who knows, comes back home or not home, but at least closer to home, right over towards the West Coast. And, and uh, man, he, he's just smooth down there at times. He's just fundamentally sound and he's smooth down low. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, what we now see in Arizona, this Arizona team play eight games, right? This was their first true road game. And you're starting to, I think, get a feel for who this team is, or at least who the players on this team are. And Chase Jeter, yeah, as I thought I had, too, watching him. It's like, we didn't know what to expect. We had high hopes. We're like, oh, the Duke transfer, he was a five-star recruit. He has a year to practice with Aiton and Ristich. He should be good. But he's not flashy. He's just no. effective. and. Mm-hmm. He is, he's not a shot blocker. He's not a dominant rebounder like Aiton was. But for what this team has, he's been very, very good and consistent. And I think they're starting to get the feel for how to utilize him best, how to get him or keep him a part of the offense. He only took nine shots, made six of them. You know, he had a very efficient game and only the seven rebounds in 25 minutes. He did foul out. But, yeah, I've been very impressed with Chase Jeter as someone who he's not a building block. He's not the best player on this team. But he's easily probably the most valuable. He 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 is by far the most valuable. I, I have to agree with that, Adam. Just because I mean, you know, not 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 only I, I would say like his veteran leadership because you know we have veterans uh, elsewhere, right? Of course, you know, you have the Justin Coleman, you have the Ryan Luther. I mean, you know, you have the upperclassmen in place, but he is uh, the only true big man I feel like we have, and that's not a knock to Ira Lee or or Ryan Luther. They're they're more stretch fours, you know, and, and that's just how it is. I mean. Chase Jeter is a true big man, and that's, you know, every, I mean, think back, I mean, as far as you can go, right, I mean, Sean Miller teams, they just, the staple is having a true big man down there, so, uh, no, he, he, he's very important, obviously, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's an understatement, and how calling him very important is sur- surely an understatement, but um, to, fi- final stat line for him, 14 points, 7 rebounds, he did foul out, his 5th foul happened around, like, the 14-second mark, yeah. when, you know, we, we, we were already on this stretch of just nailing free throws, um, but I think the game ball has to go to Brandon Randolph, right? 20 points, 5 of 15 from the field. Not super impressive on that front. As a team, they just shot poorly from 3, 3 of 17. Uh, the bread and butter in this one, Adam, was the free throw shooting. So mm-hmm. 19 of 22. Brandon Randolph was 9 of 9 from the charity stripe. I mean, it was it it, it was 
beautiful. And, you know, of course, then Dylan Smith, Dylan Smith's responsible for two of the three made threes in the game, uh, sparking things with 10 points. Ryan Luther coming off the bench, like we just talked about, 10 points there as well. The bench combines for 24 points of the 76. I mean, it, it just felt like Adam... And, and I know there's going to be plenty of examples that they're going to start coming to mind here as, as we're jogging the memory, but uh, it just felt like a vintage Sean Miller, Sean Miller victory, you know, just like a vintage team on the road, decent defense, you know, good enough to win, obviously. Um, but it, they, they just grinded it out. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you would have said, or even talking this season, what's Arizona's path to victory It's probably shooting well from three. And not turning the ball over. You need the Brandons to play well to provide the bulk of the scoring, right? And, yeah, 3 of 17 from 3, and Arizona won. And I want to say comfortably, because 4 points isn't comfortable, but Arizona was in control the entire game. And it was a good defensive effort. They got the stops when they needed the stops. They got a bucket when they needed a bucket. And if not a bucket, they made their money at their free throw line. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's a way to win on the road. It doesn't have to be pretty. And I don't. UConn is not the best team Arizona is going to play this year. Obviously, they already played Auburn and they played Gonzaga. So, right. But a true road game, a tough environment to play, still in this young season. And the Wildcats found a way to win when Brandon Randolph made five of 15 shots, when Brandon Williams yeah. only took six. Yeah. You know, like these are things where they got the contributions. And off the bench, it wasn't big time numbers. But Ira Lee played a useful, effective 11 minutes. Even Barcelo, in his four minutes, made his shot, had an assist. And Dylan mm-hmm. Smith, like you said, made a couple threes. Like, this is just, this was a good team win in a game where Arizona needed everybody who did something to do exactly that. Because Arizona's not supremely talented where they can have an off night and beat someone. But they are talented enough where if they get enough contributions from up and down the roster, up and down the lineup, so to speak, they can grind one out like this. So whether it's vintage Sean Miller, I don't know. But I think it's kind of the type of game we're going to see a lot from Arizona this season. The question is going to be, can they make those free throws at the end consistently? Because if you can, then you're going to win a lot of close games. But That's, yeah. Yeah, like you blow teams out when you make the threes. You pull away or you hold teams off when you make those free throws. And on the road, I will take this every time. That, that that's really it there Adam is is making your free throws and that's one thing that this team has shown me through eight games so far right is is they can they can draw fouls and they're going to make their free throws I mean honestly that's 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 what gave us that lead in, in the Gonzaga game was that first half uh, Gonzaga got in early foul trouble and we were in the double bonus with like eight minutes left and they, they just did a good job of getting to the free throw line and then knocking down those free throws, right? Uh, in this case here, you know, if, if, if you're comparing just team stats, right, Arizona versus UConn, right, obviously final score was within four points of each other. Rebounds, 32 to 32. Assists, 12 to 12. Where things started deviating from each other was was the, the turnovers for one, right? UConn's 19 to Arizona's 14. But the fouls, the 21 for UConn, 15 to Arizona, and a lot of those fouls happened in that second half, too, where it just felt like Arizona was in the bonus again, you know, like like going back that first half of the Gonzaga game, they were in the bonus for, it felt like, I mean, just minutes on end, at least half of the second half. It should also be noticed, uh, excuse me, noted, Adam, that the last field goal make that Arizona had was at the 643 mark when Dylan Smith made Unreal. a layup. From that point forward, they scored 14 more points, and they were all free throws. All yeah. free throws. Fantastic. Now, and that's the thing. You look at this, the box score, it's, 
Think of, or even think of last year's Arizona team. When Arizona got teams in foul trouble, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You have DeAndre Ayton, you have Ristich, you have Trier, you have Raleigh sometimes. Like, it's understandable. Teams can't guard them, so they're going to foul. This team doesn't have that, and yet Arizona won it at the free throw line. They were getting fouled. Their athleticism, their quickness, their togetherness. Like, this this team, and I know we've talked about this all season long, and maybe part of it was like we hoped it would be the case because we figured it would have to be if they were going to be good. But Miller keeps raving about it, too, just the chemistry on this team, they like playing with each other, and they seem to put themselves in the best spots to succeed for the most part. And maybe that's having a guy like Justin Coleman as your point guard, a veteran like that who knows what he's doing. But this certainly is a team that up to this point does seem to be maximizing its talent. And that's how you do it with things like this. And in a game like that, yeah, get to the free throw line and make those free throws because 19 of 22 is great. You know, and if if they don't shoot that, if they shoot 15 of 22, Arizona, I guess by the base numbers, they're now tied in this game. But there's multiple ways to win basketball games. And I think Arizona, this was a new one. It's rare that we've seen them win games at the free throw line like this. But for this team to be able to say it had to do that and was able to do it, I think is huge. Because going on the road, winning in a tough environment like that at the free throw line, I don't. For a young team, Brandon Randolph is a sophomore. He didn't play a ton last year. He went 9-for-9 nine nine at the free throw line. Brandon Williams made a couple to clinch it. Like, these are young players who haven't been in this situation before, and they're icing the game on the road, a big win. That's absolutely huge, and I think a really good sign going forward for this team. Finishing off the rest of the box score here, you know, J- Justin Coleman, 28 minutes, you know, as expected. I mean, he, he's, he, he and Brandon Williams are, are just – it's so – comforting to know when those two guys are on the court at the same time especially when you see some sort of press or just you know i, I guess it's it, it's just nice to know that you have two studs on the court that are very comfortable with the ball and commanding the offense you know and, it and they difference just, it makes a huge difference and honestly man it's justin where were you last year and no, <laughs> no knock to bjc i mean it's just like man you're too late. But anyway, yes, staying on task here, right? Justin Coleman finished with six points, three rebounds, two assists, three steals. Um, he did have four turnovers, which feels a little uncharacteristic for him. But again, I mean, that, that was a very tough environment. So um, overall, you know, there, there were a lot of performances here, aside from Brandon Randolph, that, 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 that were big, that were important, that probably tipped the scale in Arizona's favor. Um, that aren't going to show up here just purely in the numbers. Uh, Emmanuel Acott, 28 minutes, right? I, I believe that's a season high for him. Uh, he had six points, five rebounds, and, a, and an assist. Perfect. Um, I mean, he's just so strong defensively. I mean, that's – I just – yeah, if, if, if he can just pull together, give us a little bit more of that, right? Just give us six points. Give us six points, a few big rebounds, and a couple defensive stops. Picking up on your rotations, everything there. I mean, you're not you're not going to get any gripes out of me. So, uh, m- moving on. Of course, you said Ira Lee, right? Eleven minutes, two points, three rebounds. Fine, Alex Barcelo. You mentioned the two points and assist in four minutes. Uh, you know, all all of that was all, all of that was well and good. I mean, it, it was just overall a very strong team performance there and a very hostile environment. One thing, actually, I want to correct myself on. I said at the at the six forty three mark, Dylan Smith scored that layup to make it a 54-47 lead. Uh, Arizona then hit 12 consecutive free throws to end the game. I said 14, but 12 okay. consecutive free throws. Still very impressive. So, yes, great job, guys. Huge road win. Yeah, and that's the thing. And when we say the Georgia, the Georgia Southern game doesn't mean much, the win itself doesn't, but the way it happened with the bench doing what it did, you're like, okay, that's nice. Can they repeat it? Because even Barcelo early on last season looked good in the non-conference in McHale Center. 
And here they go on the road, again, in a tough environment. And Dylan Smith carries it over. Barcelo carries it over. Ira Lee, Acott, like, and I know Acott not off the bench. But it was such a nice thing to see because I don't think, when we get to conference play, the Pac-12 isn't very strong this season. And I don't know where Arizona fits into that. But these are the types of games, UConn on the road, where you grow from it. And it's much, like, it's much more nice to grow from a win than a loss. And this is a game where Arizona didn't. I don't think Arizona played great. It wasn't like the Wildcats made 15 of 24 threes and were just, hey, you're not going to beat a team that does it. Arizona grinded this one out, being deficient in some areas, but being proficient in enough to where they went on the road and beat a pretty good UConn Huskies team. So I'm not saying the Wildcats are now destined to win the Pac-12 or this is a team that's (laughs) going to surprise everyone, but if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic about this team, this game, I think, provided everything you would want. It, 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 it was uh, it was exactly what I was looking for. You know, honestly, when that game tipped off and I saw that crowd was rocking, I got really nervous. I was thinking, yeah. like, oh, man, I, I didn't expect this. And um, I mean, j- just a perfect environment. Right. Who would have thought early December there'd be this type of matchup. But it's again, a, another notable, interesting fact on this on this game was I completely forgot. But but Danny Hurley, he, he's the head coach now. <laughs> he, he was with Rhode Island last year. Right. And and so now this year he, he takes over the UConn job and uh, that makes Miller. Uh, he's still undefeated against those Hurley brothers. So that's <laughs> that's got to feel good, too. So stick it to those Hurley brothers. Sean, I like it. Yeah, that, that's fun. I guess I'd rather him stick it to the other Hurley brother. A couple it's times coming. this season, you know, that I'd prefer that over Dan Hurley. But it is a fun little note that he is undefeated against the Hurley family. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Still alive. It's still alive. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so, Adam, I guess then moving forward here, right, looking ahead this upcoming week, uh, they, they come back home, right? They they host uh, Utah Valley on Thursday, 7 p.m. And McHale, the Pac-12 network there. And then, I don't know, these back-to-back Sunday 11 a.m. games on ESPN are going to be pretty cool. So uh, then they travel to Tuscaloosa. So if everyone remembers last year, the Colin Sexton, uh, John Petty show came down yeah. to Tucson. And that, that was, was a good the game. First, a really that was game. a very good game. That, that was a very, very good game against a very worthy opponent. It was right? Raleigh's so, first game back, right? Or was yes, I think that's right. starting lineup? Yeah, uh, if, if it wasn't the first one back, yeah, it was one of the first ones back, right? So, um, no, that, that that last year was a very good game when things you know, they started to right the ship a little bit. So, I'm sure, obviously, Colin Sexton's moved on to the NBA, specifically with the Cleveland Cavaliers as a lottery pick uh, this past draft. But you know, John Petty, one of those five star guys, is still there. You know, they got a handful of other studs uh, still with Alabama. Avery Johnson's done a tremendous job with that program. So, uh, that's definitely you know. Utah Valley, you just just take care of business. I'd like to see another Georgia Southern performance, and then uh, get geared up for another 11 a.m. Uh, 11 a.m. East Coast, uh, or excuse me, 11 a.m. Uh, local Tucson local time there against Alabama in Tuscaloosa on ESPN. Uh, Adam, you know, I think just kind of looking at the rest of the Pac-12 landscape at this point, you know, you mentioned we're really not sure what, uh, what, what who, who's going to get in that large bid. Obviously, there can only be one automatic bid. At this point, Arizona State is the only ranked team with the latest AP poll. Uh, Arizona State checks in at number 20. Uh, looking down at the rest of the standings in the Pac-12, Oregon State checks in at 6-1, and one, Colorado 5-1. and one. Arizona six and two, UCLA six and two, Washington six and two. Uh, Oregon's four and three, right? I mean, that's notable just because Dana Altman's a great coach, and they, you know, Oregon has the talent. 
They're supposed to be, but you know, as, as Brian points out, and, and I tend to agree with this. You know, Dana Altman kind of stumbles early on, and it's usually a well-oiled machine come come uh, February and going into March. So um, I don't I don't know if I'm hoping for that, right? Like I'm, I'm really hoping that we can just roll them, and then you know, all we have to worry about is a couple other teams that we didn't expect at the top. But um, you know, I, I think overall, if if we're going to be taken seriously as a conference, yeah, it's definitely not a good look to see Oregon right here. No, and that's why too. I think this this upcoming week, even you know Alabama on Sunday, then Baylor, uh, their next game. Like these are big games where they're not the best teams are going to play. They're not great teams, but they're potential tournament teams, and you need to win these games. You know, especially when they're on the road, just because who knows what the Pac-12 is going to offer in terms of helping your resume. And I would think Oregon will be there. They can be miserable in non-conference and all of a sudden turn on in conference play. Yeah. Just like ASU traditionally, or at least the last couple of years, has been really good in non-conference and then falls apart in Pac-12 play. Now, I don't expect that to happen. I think ASU is legit this year. That's yep. a very good basketball team, but it's still so early. And yeah, for the Pac-12 to have one team in the top 25, I think Arizona was the got the most receiving votes of the Pac-12, but they weren't. it wasn't it was like they were number 26 on the rankings. Right, so right. right now, mm-hmm. the Pac-12 is getting no respect, and it's deservedly so. Um Oregon will probably be there in the end. USC should be better than they have been. UCLA will be a team that I don't want to that you might have to worry about. So there's still a lot yeah. of basketball to be played. But you know, right now I don't think anyone looks at the Pac-12 and says there's any team in that conference that could make a Final Four, or win a national championship. So then the question is, how many bids is this league going to get? Is it going to be just the one automatic bid? Are there two bids? Maybe three. And Obviously, if it's going to be only two or three, then you've got a lot of work to do because you need to be really, really good in a really bad league. So even if it's a lot of parity, it's almost like you feel like Arizona has to get to, what, 25, 26 wins in a bad conference, which means every non-conference game matters so, so much. And that's why these next, what, four or five games? Yeah. If you could go 5-0, and oh, especially with wins over Alabama and Baylor, it would go yeah. a long way because just I mean, we saw ASU last year. They were, I think, what, 500 in the Pac-12, but they were so good at non-conference, they snuck into the tournament. So, absolutely, this is a time where, for your Arizona, and you're not sure where you stack up in the Pac-12, these are the games to win, because if you lose a couple of these next ones and then go 500, maybe a little better than 500 in the conference, chances are you're not going to make the tournament, even if you win 20, 21 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not looking pretty. I mean, honestly, it reminds me a little bit of that uh, that year where we lost to Oregon State. In the Pac-12 championship, was that 2012 or 2013? Oh, Colorado, excuse me, right. Yeah, Yeah, we beat Oregon State to to then face Colorado, and Colorado beat us, right? Back in the tournament in a year where Arizona had no business going to the dance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so it just reminds me of one of those years where, I mean, clearly it just feels like a very down year, and, uh, I mean, yeah, at this point, Oregon's not even even receiving votes, I don't think, or excuse me, they received three votes. Uh, Arizona received 12 votes uh, in in the AP. They're currently sitting at, I guess, if you're going to count it out, they're currently ranked 36th in terms of votes that have been received. Um, but you know what, what? What's really interesting here, and, and I kind of want to flip over to Ken Palm real quick, right? So, um, you know, Ken Palm. You know, for those of you uh, who, who are unfamiliar uh, with the Pomeroy College basketball ratings. 
um, this, this the whole KenPom.com thing, right? I mean, this is advanced analysis of college basketball, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's I think something uh, some crazy stats always mentioned every March, you know, going into the Final Four that like you know uh, of the last fifteen, or like fourteen, of the last fifteen winners have never had a worse defensive, you know, adjusted defensive rating uh, than than like ten or something like this, right? So so basically, in order for you to get your ranking on Ken Palm, they take it, they take an adjusted offensive rating uh, together with the adjusted defensive rating at a very high level, right? There's obviously other factors and analysis that goes into it. Strength, strength, the schedule is one of it. Uh, there, there's a luck factor, like a luck rating, right? Um, so it's not, it's not purely uh, computers, but I mean, it's, it's pretty darn close. Uh, in this case, where I'm going now is that Iowa state win. And, and you know, I'm pretty sure that, you know, cause it, the committee is is humans, right? I mean, the, the the committee is is just a group of people that that put together the bracket and depend. And, you know, they break down all the different teams, make the case why, yes, no, whatever. Iowa State currently sits in Ken Palm at, uh, at number fifteen, and the reason I bring that up and that's pretty remarkable because they're, they're sitting at seven and one. Now, if you take that and you we know compare who that it, one was exactly, and if you take that and you compare it to where the AP ranking is right now, they're not getting much love in the AP. They're actually not even they 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 are I guess you'd put them at twenty nine. So they are receiving forty six votes uh, to be in the top twenty five behind Marquette, Syracuse, and Purdue. But the reason I bring this up is because, you know, the Ken Palm tends to be a little bit of a better indication of where you stand. You know, last year, the Ken Palm, you know, offensively speaking, Arizona behind DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier and everybody else, uh, you know, offensively, I think they were top 20. But defensively, they were like, I think I want to say they were up in like the hundreds, you know, going into the tournament. Right. And obviously, I think it did better. It was bad. So when you combine those two, right, I mean, that's a situation where, okay, now you take kind of the average of the two, I guess, for you know, a lack of a better explanation of how it's calculated. Uh, but so, so this year, yeah, Iowa State checks in at 15, which, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. And, and we know that Iowa State w- was a very formidable opponent for us in that Maui Invitational. We also know that they were missing a couple key pieces on that roster, which will be interesting to see how that's weighed and judged later in the year. Arizona State uh, right now ranks. Uh, they, they they check in at number forty two. Obviously seven and zero, the only ranked team in the conference. Their adjusted offensive ranking is forty one. Their adjusted defensive ranking is sixty. Adam, we check in. Arizona checks in at number forty six, right behind UCLA actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they are fifty eight offensively, forty three defensively. I mean, this is probably. I mean, we. I I don't think I don't think we that Arizona broke like top 50 at any point in last year's season in, in the Ken Palm. So, um, you know, I guess kind of bringing this thing whole full, full circle, if you're looking for another, I guess like another grading tool or another grading mechanism, uh, Ken Palm is typically tends to be a pretty good indication of really, you know, like, uh, I guess evaluating teams, if you will, and, and ranking them aside from the AP that, which can be political, of course. And, you know, if, if you know anything about the AP and, you know, like, East Coast bias and what have you, as far as football goes, you know, like some of these guys don't even watch the game. They're just sending in their votes. So uh, this is a much better statistical analysis in terms of actually calculating, you know, like the most formidable to the least formidable. Um, but I, I was pretty excited to see we have a win over a top 20 team. That's good. And then, of course, Arizona, you know, only a couple spots behind ASU. Anytime I see a ranking of any universities, I want to see where we are. Then I look for ASU and, you know, it's like, damn it, they're ahead of us. Or, yeah, we're ahead of them, whatever, fine. Um, but defensively, that 43 ranking, I think that that 
Two things to take away from it. Iowa State, obviously a top 20 win right now in our defensive ranking 43rd in the country. That, that, that Those are some pretty good signs, I think, for more to come. Yeah, and that's what you look at Kempom for as just signs. And that's what you talked about when you started this, about how the teams that win are always ranked pretty high defensively. And, yeah, the teams that Arizona last took to the Elite Eight, those are usually ranked in the top three defensively. This yeah. team, obviously, 43 mm-hmm. isn't that level. But it's certainly better than last season. And the trick is, can they sustain this? Is the defense mm-hmm. going to be able to be good enough throughout the course of the season? And that's where your depth comes in. That's where the growth of this team comes in. But certainly the start of this season feels a lot better than the start of last season. Yes. Even if you felt like last season, eventually they would get things figured out. And I always did because there was too much talent for them not to be good, of course. No one expected them to get bounced in the first round like they did. But, you know, this team isn't as talented as last year's team. But they're certainly playing very, very hard and playing better than last year's team did. It doesn't mean they're going to win as many games. I don't think they will. But it's definitely, this is the type of team that I think we, most of us hoped we'd see in that they're playing hard, they're playing together, and they're kind of fun to watch. You know, maybe not dominant in anything, but there's enough good players, enough athletes on this team, enough reason to watch every single game because you believe they have enough talent to win every single game, but they're not coasting. They're not playing down to their competition. They're not doing what we saw last year's team do, especially in the Bahamas. So, mm-hmm. you know, Arizona's eight games into the season, their two losses are nowhere even close to being bad losses, especially if you no. watch those games, you know how competitive Arizona was in them. And if you're looking for a reason to think, hey, they, this team could be pretty good by the time this season's over, I think you've gotten it so far. And those rankings, the Ken Palm stuff only goes to further, it goes to prove that, you know what, at 6-2, and two, this team is not playing that bad at all. Nope, nope. Uh, th- there are many things to be excited about right now. Six and two, beautiful, made it through. Uh, you know, they, they have two very strong non-conference wins up to this point. No telling where UConn's going to be, but you know, Danny Hurley's obviously a good coach, right? He, he got poached from Rhode Island for a reason. Rhode Island was very competitive last year and even the year before that. Uh, so I think... Um, you know, UConn, obviously a household name, one of the more identifiable names in college basketball. Of course, they play in the American Athletic Conference, which doesn't really do them any favors as far as, you know, I would say football goes. But basketball is always a different beast, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, basketball is always, you know, you, you always have these random Missouri Valley Conference teams. You know, you got your, your, your butlers who, you know, blossom out of these mid-major uh, conferences and go on to, you know, bigger programs or, excuse me, bigger, bigger conferences. So, uh, for all we know, I mean, UConn could very well be, you know, the, the outright uh, regular season champion and then win the American Conference as well and, you know, be uh, one of the higher seeds. I don't want to say like a top four seed or something uh, come tournament time, but, you know, you never know. So that's why you just want to gather up all these non-conference wins as you can, especially against the Alabama's Baylor's, as you mentioned. You know, if we get through this Alabama game, I feel pretty good about our chances at home against Baylor. I always feel good about our chances sure. at home. So, you know, if you get through that, then you're sitting – you're sitting pretty at that point. You're talking about an 11-2 and two non-conference schedule, non-conference record, and your two losses came to against two top 10 teams, two yeah. top eight teams. I mean, that, there's a lot to feel good about in that situation. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think last season, most of us were only discouraged because, like, this team should be better than it has been. You know, it's kind of like, come on, with all this talent, with DeAndre Ayton, with Trier, and all these guys, how are you not better than you're playing? Whereas this team, I don't know if anyone's upset about them. It's like mm-hmm. you might say, hey, I wish they had one more player. I wish they had one more big. Or I wish this team was just a little bit better. But yeah. I don't think anyone's questioning saying, why are they not better than they have been? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of nice. After years and years of high expectations, and I think the expectations are still fairly high, 
Sure. But this is a team that I think most of us are, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I imagine you and myself are in the same group here. They've been fun to watch. They've been enjoyable to watch compete night in and night out. Even when they're not as good a team, they still play hard. They still. I mean, we saw it against Gonzaga. We saw it against Auburn. They're in these games, even if they don't have quite enough to win them. But as they improve, as their bench maybe gains some confidence and starts to play better, as Emmanuel Acott starts to find his role and find his footing, maybe this team can get to be good enough on a given night where the three ball does fall or they make all those free throws. Just They're finding more ways to win, and the fact that they play hard every single night and play together is absolutely encouraging because those are things that at least last year's team couldn't really say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, 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 they play. There's a lot more co- cohesion with this team I and mean, you can just see it even defensively. Right. I mean, if you, if you are solid defensively and I know that this is going to kind of poke a hole into my whole put in a Devin Air retrieve <laughs> argument. But 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 if you're solid defensively, I mean, you can make up for a lot on the offensive end. Right. You're not constantly, you know, one for one situations. Right. They score. We score. They score. We score. I mean, if you get stops, I mean, that completely changes the whole complexion of the game. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just been a blast to watch so far. So, of course, yep. So you, Utah Valley coming up on Thursday and then, of course, circling back uh, for another for, for another showdown with Alabama, this time on the road again on Sunday, 11 a.m. Arizona time. And that can be caught on ESPN. Uh, just a quick reminder, of course, by the time this posts, I know Bryant will have done a great job uh, on, on all of our social media platforms promoting the bowl pool. Follow us, of course, on Twitter, social media, excuse me, Twitter, Facebook, at us to get your invitation to the bowl pool. Again, first place takes away two tickets to either a, an Arizona football or basketball game. The winner gets to choose what they want to do there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think by the time we record again next week, Adam, we'll be getting ready for, for bowl season. I think the first slate of games is, is December 15th. So uh, that'll be uh, coming up here quick, but uh, yeah. And anything I missed here, Adam, or no, we're, I'm good on time. we're not boycotting bowl season because, well, you know, it's not good to be bitter. It's not good to be bitter. It's not, <laughs> it's not good on. for the soul. Yeah. So, hey, and, and you know what? Basketball's sitting OK right now. Six and two. So this is this is the perfect time of the year for all of us, for all of us Arizona fans to use that crutch that, hey, you know, what? we're a basketball school anyway. Yeah. Whatever. We're a basketball school. Let's be so. a basketball school then. Right. Yes. And yes, please. Yes. Yeah, keep it up, guys. This team, I don't know where they finish, but as long as they play hard and they're enjoyable to watch, then. It's easy to root for him, and yep. I think that's something where we haven't had that at least in a couple of years ago. The Larry Marketing year, I think, was a lot like that. But so far, like I want to watch this team grow and see just how good they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely feels like uh, you know. I know we talked about it, but you know, just that jolt of life to the second unit with Ryan Luther, and you know, if Emmanuel Acott can somehow find some sort of offensive groove, um, you know, just some sort of just something offensively from him. I mean, that that's going to do wonders. It feels for the team. Yep. So. All right. So until next week, everyone bear down.